0: Everybody, this is Bob Bro. Welcome to the best all-time radio podcast for Tuesday, April the sixth, twenty twenty-one. On Tuesdays, we play a drama, and we're not going to disappoint you today. We are going to visit that toddling town, Chicago, and the episode of Nightbeat that we're going to play today is entitled "The Mental Marvel." And, of course, Randy Stone, played by Frank Lovejoy, is the nightbeat writer for the Chicago Star. And he wanders the streets of that windy city looking for human interest stories, crime stories, whatever it might be. Every major city newspaper has one of these guys, right? Well, Randy Stone's a really good one. So what you need to do is get over there in that big, comfortable chair of yours, get your feet up, get yourself a little snack, a little refreshment, and let the cares of the day drift away. Because we're coming right back at you with this episode of Nightbeat, your Tuesday old-time radio drama.
1: This is Randy Stone. I cover the Night Beat for the Chicago Star. My stories start in many different ways. This one began with a question and ended when the secret locked in a man's mind brought sudden death.
2: Night Beat, starring Frank Lovejoy as Randy Stone.
1: Tonight, I had another story to write. Find it somewhere in the 3,000 square miles of Chicago. Among the people who are Chicago. People. Ever get the feeling you'd like to forget that word? Close a mental door, snap a psychic lock, and boom, you're alone? (laughs) Can't do it, pal, because maybe you're people, too. (laughs) So tonight, I watched them again. I wandered south on Western Avenue, crossed Addison... And there was Riverview Park. I walked around there, watching the people hurry themselves from one thing to another, each one trying to catch up with a couple of hours of fun. And then I saw a sign that read, Mental the marvel of the age knows everything. Admission, 25 cents. Okay, I'm a sucker for any man who knows everything and freely admits it might even know what makes the world tick, like a time bomb. That'd be worth two bits of anybody's money. I went in. Mentalot was in the middle of his act.
2: Battle of Waterloo proper was begun at 11.30 a.m. on June the 17th, 1815. The battle went through five distinct phases until the French were routed. That right, lady? Yes, it is. It sure is. Now, who's next? Who has
1: the next question? Uh, You, sir. You just came in. You uh, seem a little skeptical. Uh, are you talking to me? I am, sir. Maybe you'd like to ask Menlo a question. Oh, all right.
2: Uh, what's the temperature of the sun? Menlo, the gentleman thinks he's stumped you. The temperature of the visible surface of the sun is about 6,000 degrees centigrade. The interior temperature is estimated at approximately 20 million degrees centigrade.
3: Is that correct, sir?
2: I'll take his word for it.
1: <laughs> and you
3: can, sir. Now... Who's
1: next? Uh, who, who? I got a question. Very good.
3: Ask it.
2: Medlow. Yes. What happened? What happened to you on the 15th of last month? What happened? To, uh, the 15th? Yeah, the 15th. Medlow. Yeah, 15th? Make uh, him get out of here. Get him away. That's us go going on? That's Let's go. Here, out, folks. Everything's all, all. That's all. Hey, right. right. Okay, okay. Medlow.
1: Medlow, Medlo, come on. Let's get out of here. It happened again, Phil. Again? You want a doctor? Huh? Now, look, Mr. Rice, let everybody clear out. Yes, I know, but this man collapsed. He looks pretty beat. I said get out. Okay. And make it fast. Okay. Real fast. So I made it real fast, like the man said. But as I walked through the carnival grounds, that bird brain of mine that just won't let me grow all gracefully started working overtime. Why did Mentalo do a nosedive when that question was asked? What happened to him on the 15th of last month? <laughs> Listen tomorrow at the very same time, and just plain stone will tell you all about it. <laughs> But then, just as I'd reached the edge of the carnival grounds, a voice pushed its way through my thoughts. and your Knock
2: down the It
1: was the man who'd asked the question. I walked over to the shooting gallery and picked up one of the lights. I
2: see. Here you are, mister. Test your eye and your
1: aim. Why, sure, sure. Thank you. Well, that was close. Pretty close. I'll try to do better.
3: Ah,
1: just a little more practice, that's all. A little practice. Yeah, like everything else. Uh-huh. Well, that's better. Hmm. Uh, by the way, what happened to you on the 15th of last month?
2: I take your shots and beat it.
1: Why did you ask that question?
2: Give me the rifle, mister.
1: I got five more shots coming. Not tonight. Give me it. I pays my quarter. I takes my shot. I said hand me the rifle.
3: Uh,
2: okay, here. You want to see something?
1: Watch. Well, with bullets or words, the man's good.
3: You ain't a connie man. No? No.
2: But you're awful curious. That's
1: an old family failing and an occupational hazard. Uh-huh. Why did you ask Metallo that question? Did you know how it would affect him? You know, mister, a couple of months back, a guy picks up one of these rifles. He don't know nothing about guns, see? He gets careless and the gun goes off. At him. He's dead. Accident. Uh, you know, uh... Pal, you have a strange, oblique way of making me feel uncomfortable. I uh, see what you mean.
3: Uh-huh. Now you're hitting the bullseye.
1: So long, mister. Okay, twice I got curious, twice I drew blanks. I thought about it some more and then decided to pass it up in favor of the cotton candy. And then I saw Mentolo. He was walking down the midway, but like a man in a trance. There was something about him that screamed, I need help. His little figure seemed odd and congruous against the laughing, hurrying people. I followed him, wondering. And then he stopped in front of the roller coaster. For a moment he watched it, and then as if suddenly making up his mind, he headed for the ticket booth. That didn't figure... So I bought a ticket, too, and followed him to the loading platform. Tickets for the next ride, please. Tickets for the next ride. Here you are. Oh, thank you. Tickets for the next ride. Tickets for the next ride, please. I got in the car directly behind Mental That day's bewildered expression was still on his face. His hands gripped the side of the car. He half rose in his seat as though he were going to leave, but he sat down again. And then... All right. Lock the safety bars. It's 200 feet up. Lock your safety bars. We started up the long incline toward the top of the 200-foot grade. I kept my eyes on Mentvo. He gripped the safety bar in front of him until his knuckles whitened under the pressure. A couple of kids behind me began to rip me.
3: Geez, hi! I'm getting scared. Hey, Mister, you gotta
1: have a girl with you. I did, but I left her in the fun house.
3: Oh, what a
4: square she must be! Yes. Hey, if you get scared, Mister, hold on to me.
1: I'll I'll keep that in mind. Hey, baby, I paid four cents for this. Let's grab a song cookie.
3: <laughs> hey, hey, watch it! We're going over. Uh, here we go!
1: And then it happened. We started down the almost perpendicular drop. Mentelow stood up. The <laughs>
3: Let me go. Let me go. Let
1: me go. Let me struggled
3: dragging me out
1: of my seat. I held him while we hurtled down the long trot and finally hit the bottom. Then Menlo stopped struggling to get free. He went limp and sank back into his seat. What? Why did you stop me? I've got to kill myself. Well, he almost did, and me with him. My arms ached from the effort of holding him down. But the ride was finally over. I got him off and away. He let me lead him like a child out of the park and into his chief hotel room on the north side. I told him who I was and then waited until he spoke. Uh, why? Why didn't you let me do it? Well, I'm just an old busybody. Uh, how about some coffee? No. No, nothing. Just, just leave me alone, please. Uh, just a minute. hmm? I saw your act tonight. I heard the question that sent you off. It's always someone different who asks it. Never the same person twice. Have you ever got hold of the person who asks it?
2: No. I was afraid to.
1: What uh, did happen to you on the 15th of last month?
2: Hmm? Uh, I, I don't know. Something tells me that
1: I must not remember. I must not! Your act is legitimate, isn't it? Legitimate? Yeah, no fake, you know, no shills to ask questions you're sure to know the answer to. I have a photographic
2: memory, Mr. Stone. I never forget anything.
1: Yet you've forgotten one day of your life. Yes, yes. You you don't believe it, do you? Oh, yes, 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 I do. But uh, why did you try to kill yourself? Because I know that if I do remember, I, I wouldn't be able to stand it. Don't you have any clue
2: at all? To Two things. Two things that mean nothing. Or well, maybe they do. What are they? It just streamers in the sky and the name Helene. Streamers in the sky and Helene. Who is Helene? I don't know anybody by that name. I don't. I
1: tell you, I don't. All right, all right. Now take it easy, Medlow.
2: Oh, get out and leave me alone. Get out. Yeah. Get out and leave him alone.
1: Phil. Phil. Well, well, my friend, the Barker. Hello. What are you doing here? I brought Medlow home after he tried to kill himself.
2: What? Medlow.
1: You all right? I'm all right, Phil, but I, I, I don't want to remember. Look, Phil, for what it's worth, he's sick. He's got to see a doctor. No,
2: Phil, no, get him out
1: of oh, here. Oh, mister, get out. But this man is... Get out and don't come back. Because if you do anything that hurts Mantolo, I'll kill you. Like I said before, sometimes you'd like to seal off the rest of the world and forget it. Let a thousand people die in a flood. We click our tongues and say, how terrible. That's as far as it goes. But let one kid scratch himself on a nail and 87 people come running with the iodine. The human reality of what happens to a lot of people at once is too big for us. But what happens to one individual is something each of us can get hold of. I don't know. Maybe that's what sent me to a friend of mine, a psychiatrist whom I dragged
2: out of bed. Oh, but, Randy, what concern is mental of
1: yours? Oh, I don't
3: know,
2: Ken. Why'd you become a psychiatrist? Why? <laughs> I... see what you mean. Okay, okay. You see what I mean. Now, what, what gives with mental of? Self-protection. His mind is protecting him. Whatever happened on the 15th of last month is suppressed. The memory is horrible enough to force a complete blackout. Yeah, but he
1: remembers two things, Ken. Streamers in the sky and the name Helena. What What do the uh, streamers
2: mean? Almost anything. This guy's symbol for something else. Yeah, he
1: tried to kill himself tonight. Will he try it again? Most likely. Well, uh, well, what'll set him off
2: again? Hard telling. Question, object, anything. Was um, Mentolo upset when you left him? Upset? He was practically hysterical. I'd better go with you. Oh, you're worried too, huh? I uh, I'd feel better if I saw him. Let's go.
1: Here's the room It's right here, 6, uh, 12
2: Randy, try the door Open You know where the light is? Oh, I think I
1: saw a switch by the door uh, uh. Randy! Mental lock. Don't try to unfasten that, buckle. Cut the belt. Lift him. Hurry! All right. Cut that belt. Hurry up, Randy. Is he alive? I think so. All right.
2: Easy, Kent. There. Pulse is still strong. He couldn't have been hanging more than a few seconds before we came in. Poor little devil, Ken. Look, Randy. What? There's something clutched in his hand. Why, yes, that's a
1: key. That's an old fashioned house key. Now, why? Why? I don't know. Well, what's your guess?
2: It's hard telling, Randy, but I do know this. He's no longer responsible for his actions.
1: But then the next time he tries anything like this, maybe nobody will be around to stop it. Ken, is there anything
2: that we can do? Is there anything you can do? It's up to him, Randy, but uh, let's get him to my office. We'll see what we can do there. (laughs)
1: Feeling better, Mentolo? Yes, thank you. You know where you are? I. No. No. Where's Phil? Oh, you Barker? I don't know. Now, now listen to me, Mentolo. You, uh. You tried to hang yourself. Do you remember that?
3: Yes.
2: After Phil left, I. I felt so
1: hopeless. You had this in your hand, this key. Look at it. I. I found it in my pocket, and. Then I knew I had to kill myself. Is it your key? Do you remember what it's for? No, he
2: won't remember that, Randy.
3: Oh.
1: Who, who Who are you? He's a friend of mine, and he's a doctor in Well,
2: I don't want to. Now, any... look,
1: twice tonight you tried to kill yourself. Once is enough to call in the police. No. Oh, don't worry, don't worry. That's not what we want to do. I want to help you, and the doctor
2: wants to help you. Please believe that. No one can help me, because I can't remember, and I... I must not remember.
1: The police will ask questions when they learn you tried to kill yourself.
2: But it's no business of theirs or yours. Why don't you leave me alone? Why do you care?
1: Oh, that's the same old question asked the same old way. And this time I've run out of answers. Make up one of your own. I don't know. Uh,
2: I... I'm sorry. I I believe you do want to
1: help. Yes, yes, we do. Now, look. There'll be no need to call in the police if you'll let us help you. You're sick. Do you know that you're sick?
2: Let us help you. I... Oh, all right, good. Now, you trust Mr. Stone, don't you? I... Yes, 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 I do. All right. You're going to sleep. When you feel this hypodermic needle, start counting backward from a hundred. Just a little sting, then start counting backward from a hundred.
3: Now, Mr. Stone... Mr. Stone.
2: What mental, though? You stay. Stay near. Oh, yes, yes, I'll stay. Start counting. Ninety-nine. Ninety-nine. Ninety-eight. Ninety-five. five. Ninety. He knows your voice, Randy. He trusts you. You ask the question, is it all right? Yes.
1: Mentalo. Can you hear me? Yes. It's the fifteenth of last month. The fifteenth of last month. Streamers in the sky. What streamers? What are they? Where are they?
2: The Aurora Borealis. The Northern Lights? Yes. Yes. Aurora. I I went to Aurora. Aurora, Illinois? Yes. I was
1: there. Now, you're in Aurora. Where did you
2: go there? The house. Yes, I... I've got to open the door. The key... Here. Here's the key. Unlock the door. She's going to be here. Helene. Who is Helene? I love her. She loves me. Yes, the room. The room. All right. All right, now you're in the room. What did you do? I waited. Waited for her. And she came in.
3: And then I... I... (laughs) Mentolo. Of...
1: Oh, Ken, is he all right? Yes.
3: <laughs>
1: we still don't know what happened. There's one way to find out, Randy. What, find
2: the house in Aurora and take him there? That's it. <laughs> what we've done here is bring him to recall that far. You see? Now it's a question of bringing back the whole thing. Bit by bit. <laughs>
1: Ken didn't go along. Mentelo didn't want him to. It wasn't a long drive in miles. I watched Mentelo when I could. His face was contorted in an agony of effort as we drove through Aurora slowly, looking for one street, one house. Then... That... That house. But it's all boarded up. Are you sure, Mentelo? It's that house. All right. The house set back from the street. The only light came from a street lab half a block away. Mentor walked slowly ahead of me. Up the walk toward the porch. Then up the porch stairs. Open the door. Locked. It it was locked that day, too. Well, unlock it. You've got the key. Yes, yes, the key. Where's the light switch? No. No light. All right, all right. We'll use the flashlight. Now, go ahead, Mentolo. Go ahead. But there's no furniture here, Mentolo. This, this house is vacant. This is her
2: house. I, I know. There were three of us here. Three. And this is the room.
1: Go on. Mentolo, think... Well, you've got to think. It's the only way you'll remember what happened. It's the only way you'll find out what's torturing you.
3: She's here.
1: She came to me in this room. Helene came to you here? Because she loved me. Where is she now? Her clothes. In this, this closet. Metalo walked to the closet, opened it. A row of dresses hung there faint odor of perfume drifted through the room. For a moment, Menlo stood there and he started toward the door. Menlo, where are you going? I know. I know. The basement. Wait for me.
2: Down there. Down there. There's no one
1: here, Menlo. No one at all. The basement's empty. Not empty.
2: She... She...
3: Under the earth
2: where I put her. Under the earth. Get it out. Come on, get a hold of yourself. What are you talking about? I killed her. She came to me because... Because we loved each other. I was holding her in my arms when I killed her. Now she... She's down here. Under our feet. I killed her! <laughs> Who was she? I killed her! I
3: You're killed satisfied
1: her. now? You're satisfied? Bill? Bill? What are you doing here? You had to stick your nose in. You had to make him tell, didn't you? Mantolo, are you sure? Are you sure? Yeah, he's sure. And so am I, because I helped him put her here. He'd never known if you didn't make him remember. Who was Helene? You're never going to know.
2: Helene. Helene. You got to go and
1: make him remember. It was all over. Nobody would have known because we traveled with the yak. Yes, but somebody did know. Because somebody asked him tonight what happened on the 15th. Somebody always asked that question. Why? And who was Helene?
2: Helene? Helene was... was his... his wife! What? He was jealous because she never loved
1: him. She loved me. Then how could you have killed her, mental Listen to me. You only think you killed her. Because if she hadn't come here, she wouldn't have been killed. You blamed yourself. That's what it was. And then you forgot. The shock made you forget. Don't listen to her, Mendlow.
2: Don't listen. I... I I remember now. I remember. You killed her. Made me believe. But you're not going to tell anybody else about it. Both of you are going to stay here. I'm not afraid anymore, Phil. Because I know now I didn't kill her. You did, Phil. Uh,
1: Mentolo went toward Phil. Phil had a gun pointed at him. I jumped back, turned off the flashlight. For a moment, there wasn't a sound. And then. Mentolo. Where are you? Mentolo. Wait, Mentolo. Don't move. You hear me?
2: Don't move. Mentolo. Stop. Mentolo. Elaine is here, Phil. Down here. Shut up! <laughs> That's low. I'm all right. Good.
1: Phil, what's it going to be now?
3: Get me out of here! Away from her! Philip, get me out of here! <laughs>
1: Well, it's almost dawn now. I can go home to my little trundle bed and sleep the day away. <laughs> Yo ho ho! The report is life for me. Oh sure. But anyhow, I got my story. Two men, one whose feelings of guilt forced him to believe he'd killed the woman he loved, and another man whose feelings of guilt made him a gibbering coward. But uh, where's the moral? That someone always pays for a crime? Sure, but. Who is guilty? Maybe we should say, what is guilty? What's in that space above our eyes that makes us act the way we do? That makes us people? <laughs> to louse up Shakespeare, there are more things in the darkness of the mind than are dreamed of in your philosophy, Mr. Stone. ho! <laughs> oh, you can call me Randy, pal. Just call me Randy. Copy, boy.
2: Night Beat, stars Frank Lovejoy as Randy Stone. Night Beat, starring Frank Lovejoy is produced and directed by Warren Lewis and edited by Larry Marcus. Tonight's script was written by Russell Hughes with music by Frank Worth. The part of Metalo was played by Ben Wright. Listen next week at this same time and every week as Randy Stone searches through the city for the strange stories waiting for him in the darkness. And now, on Wednesday night, listen to Brian Donlevy in Dangerous Assignment. Nightbeat came to you from Hollywood on NBC.
0: Well, I thought we'd just have a little light entertainment. (laughs) That was quite a a play. That was the... uh, Mentalo, the mental marvel on Nightbeat, is originally broadcast on uh, May the 1st, 1951. I think I might have said 1950 earlier. It was 1951. Frank Lovejoy is Randy Stone. Man, that one, I knew all along it was going to be Phil. But that one was a little disturbing at the end, wasn't it? Mm. So the wife was uh, married to Phil, but was in love with Mentalo. By the way, why would <laughs> why would they call this guy Mentalo all the way through the show? I mean, surely that wasn't his given name. his I can't imagine mom and dad having this little bundle of joy coming home from the hospital and saying, well, we have to settle on a name. And I just think Mentalo is perfect. <sighs> Do you ever know anybody with a photographic memory? I've known a few people that if they didn't have a photographic memory, it was darn close. There was a good friend of our family's growing up. And uh, she was probably as near as anyone I knew. She was a contemporary of my parents, but she spoke six languages, seven languages, and uh, was in SC, University of Southern California, at age 14. But it was because she had the photographic memory. Were you fortunate enough when you were a kid to live near an amusement park? Growing up in Long Beach, California, we had the Pike P-I-K-E, the Pike. And I lived in New York City, too, and went to visit uh, Coney Island. And the Pike was just the spitting image of Coney Island. I mean, it was basically the same thing. Almost any movie you see from the 40s or 50s that has scenes filmed at an amusement park, usually they were filmed on the Pike. But we had a great old wooden roller coaster called the Cyclone Racer. It was two roller coasters that would go simultaneously on parallel tracks, and they would take off together and then race one another. And it went up way up on that high hill. And I can remember as a kid going there with my older, like, cousins and and, uh, I, I think pretty much my cousins, and they would ride it, and I was scared. And finally, one day, I worked up the nerve. And the first time I rode it, I remember getting at the top of that hill and looking down and thinking, oh, my gosh. You know what happened right after that first ride? We all jumped back in line and rode it again and again and again. And I think it was a quarter. Maybe later it was 50 cents. What was great about that is when you go to the these amusement parks today, uh, places like, well, like Disneyland or, or in Cedar Point, uh, Ohio, you'll have to wait in line for an hour or so to ride the crazy roller coaster. Man, not us. We We could get off that thing and get right back on. Well, that was Nightbeat. I hope you enjoyed it and we'll have another episode of Nightbeat at some point in the future and probably not too far away because I really get a lot of requests for Nightbeat. up our agenda for Tuesday, April the 6th, 2021. So glad you stopped by. We'll be back here tomorrow with an old-time radio mystery. You can bet on that. And we'll also come back on Thursday with a Western, because that's what we do. That was our, uh, our commitment to you, and so far we have stuck to it. We are going to go out tonight with a couple of tunes that have carnival themes. One is by James Darren. Remember James Darren, And the other one is by The Coasters. And both were really fun songs. Going back to the late 50s and maybe even the early 60s. I don't think so. I think both of these came from the 50s. All right, everybody, that's it. We'll see you tomorrow. This is Bob Bro. I'm so glad you stopped by. And I am so glad you met me!
4: To love, I'm off to join a circus. Gotta find a way to hide my tears. Bet I'll have them rolling in the aisle and I'll forget that woman if it takes a hundred years. a belly like a reptile, just
5: one thin dime, one pence of a dollar, step right up folks. I went and bought myself a ticket and I sat down in the very first row, they pulled the curtain up and when they turned the spotlight way down low. little Egypt came out strutting, wearing nothing. on tour, She laid her hat down and she did the hoochie coochie real slow. When she did a special number on a zebra skin, I thought she'd stop the show. She winked at the audience and then she turned around. She had a picture of a cowboy tattooed on her spine, saying Phoenix, Arizona, 1949. Yeah, but let me tell you people, little Egypt doesn't dance there anymore. She's too busy mopping and taking care of shopping at the store. Cause we've got seven kids and all day long.